0: Y'all are not the only
1: ones dealing with death And I'm a lot of things for both of y'all Always here, always saying yes Always setting myself aside Always sacrificing money They are right The bill comes due It is your turn to lose Poem by Randy Chapman Uh, I'm sweating In 2010 thought I was doing something And now I'm rapping with a crew or something I guess the track don't really stick unless he's gluing something And I never fit the shoe until I do or something Yo, bracing myself like teeth Boy, it's the same old route on some new concrete But homie, these tunes make you get a new ID I'm trying to do my thing, but the commute ain't cheap I'm on a two-day week for all this rap these days And we can still pitch the track to all the wacky DJs We're singing happy days, wearing tacky J's And I'm just pumped that I made it out my nappy phase. Let's go Hey y'all, the OGs and new listeners alike, I am Randy, and this is my indie episode. Indie episodes are individual episodes Mikey and I record. It's a way for us to honor who we are as individuals and not just who we are as spouses. And today, I'm discussing how grief is teaching me to mother myself. (sighs) Okay. So what had happened was, three days before Noble was born, I had what I didn't know then would be my final doctor's appointment while pregnant. They were checking to see if after three weeks on bed rest, if I had managed to retain any water, or four weeks really, if I had managed to retain any water and if Noble was growing. The tech told us that I had retained water, amniotic fluid. uh, For those who don't know, my water broke, um, around Father's Day, even though Noble wasn't due until November. And so my water at this point had been broken for about 20 something days. Um, so the, the tech had said that I, I was retaining water. So I was getting amniotic fluid back because of all the water I had been drinking. Um, but when we met with a doctor, he explained that there was no justifiable reason to believe that I was retaining amniotic fluid. So for context, this doctor was an asshole. (laughs) Um, he was really smug and looked bored and wasn't very hospitable, hospitable at all. Uh, this was also the first appointment that Mikey could attend the entire pregnancy. Um, usually I had to, I had to do all these appointments alone and I would have to go back and tell Mikey about the appointments. And, um, yeah, it just, it was just not, It was not fun and so this probably should have been a sign for us that they let him stay with me this appointment but anyway the doctor proceeded to show us a powerpoint of what was happening to Noble and explained that he was certain Noble wouldn't survive much longer so the powerpoint was really rough. There were pictures of deformed and shriveled babies who had been without amniotic fluid and he said that because I did not have any fluid um you know, Noble would suffer this same fate and look like these babies. And he gave us three options. He said we could terminate. Uh, That was the first option. We could continue to receive treatment and receive any intervention that was necessary to keep Noble here or three, we could continue on with the pregnancy and let nature, you know, take its course. And so (sighs) we told him that we wanted whatever intervention was possible and that we absolutely did not want to terminate and he kind of like sighed or like smirked or something and he was like well all right if he's still alive by August 2nd we'll admit you to the hospital and keep you there until you deliver and then we left it was it was it was (laughs) then we left I'm not gonna get ahead of myself we left and I I felt like the wind had been like knocked out of me. And I know Mikey felt the same. And once we got to the car, we just cried and cried. Like I, it was, I just felt, I was so tired, y'all. I was so tired and so scared. And I had done all these weeks on bed rest and I had, had all this water trying to get more fluid in my body to keep it. um, And it wasn't helping him at all. And I was feeling really defeated. And I just, I, I was so confused because his heart rate was steady, it was healthy, it was normal, but I, I was, I didn't have any water, I didn't have any fluid and I just, I was just so confused. Um, and then my mom called And I told Mike to tell her, I was like, Hey, can you just tell her that we'll call her as soon as we get home? Um, The drive home was a 20 minute drive. And I just, we really just needed to digest the appointment. I really needed to like get my head together. And he did and he hung up and then we went home and it was a really sad and quiet ride back home. We cried the entire time. And in between you know, being quiet. We kept confirming with each other that we didn't want to terminate the pregnancy, that we still really wanted to try to keep him here. Um, We also kept apologizing to each other. And for me, I know I felt like really defeated and sorry and cursed. Um, It was also Mikey's first prenatal appointment with me. Um, like I said earlier, and I was just really sorry. I was really sorry that his first time seeing him on the ultrasound, you know, live and in action, and his first time being with me was, was like, was this awful appointment with this awful doctor, you know, who just wasn't, he wasn't very, um, you know, kind, and he wasn't very um, in touch with, you know, the the news that he was giving to us about, about Noble. And I just really can't explain it. It was really bad. And all I was thinking about y'all <laughs> was how I was about to get home and climb in our bed and call my mom and just cry and cry with her and be confident by her and feel better. That's all I was thinking about. I was like, just get home, just get in your bed and call your mom. Like I was just saying that in my head and but when we finally got home and I called her, she cussed me out. <laughs> she really, really laid into me. Um, I can't and won't disclose what she said. Um, but the gist of it was that I had a lot of nerve to make her wait to talk to me. And, you know, I don't I ever do i better never ever do something like that again. And it was just really bad. Um, she was livid. I don't know any other word for it um and at the time of the call I'm just sobbing because I I really don't understand and I'm trying to explain to her why I needed time and I'm thinking maybe if she knew about the visit and like what the visit entailed that it will help her with her rage and it did not um it didn't help at all um Mikey ended up taking the phone from me because I mean it was it it was crazy, y'all. It was crazy. Um, he ended up taking the phone from me and trying to talk her down, and she gave it to him, too. <laughs> Anybody could get it. She gave it to him, too, and she um, she said a lot of things, and she felt really slighted and neglected and uncared for and felt like she had done so much for us throughout the pregnancy and our lives uh, that the least we could do was call her when she wanted to be called. <sighs> And it was bad. Um, The call dropped, or somebody hung up. I I don't know, but I called back, bent on explaining about the visit, and and I just I just knew that if I told her what happened and explained to her like about the PowerPoint, then like I really thought it would it would fix everything. Like if I could just explain to her why I just really we really need the time together, I could explain that this was Mikey's first appointment with me, his first time seeing Noble, you know, instead of just like the printed pictures. Like I just. I just knew that if I could like explain it, it would, it would like, it would help. And, um, and she told me that the doctors don't know everything. And if I believe the doctor after all this time, she don't know what to tell me. And that was the end of the call. And I just, I felt a lot of shame, um, because I did believe the doctor. I believed him and I needed help not to believe him. But all I felt was shame for being so afraid and for believing him. And I was feeling like a fuck up. Um, I was feeling like I was fucking up with my son. I felt like I was fucking up with my mom. And I just I crumbled and I ended up having what I now know was a panic attack. And I couldn't tell if I was going into labor or not because there was no amniotic fluid and Noble was already breached. So it means his feet was his feet were facing down. Um, So in general, anytime he moved, it hurt like it it, it always it, it always felt like something because there was no water protecting him or me. And he's all legs. And um. So I didn't know if I was having Braxton Hicks, which are like the fake, you know, practice contractions that your body makes you go through or real contractions. And so, um, Mike ended up, Mikey ended up walking me through some breathing exercises. He just, we just breathed together for a few minutes. Um, he, you know, explained to me, I had to calm down He explained to me, you know, that I was going to go into labor. I had to breathe. I had to breathe. And so, um, And then I set a 30-minute timer, and I told myself that if the contractions didn't stop by the time the timer went off, that I would go to the hospital. If if they didn't stop, I would go to the hospital. Um, But uh, thankfully, the pain did stop after 15 minutes. Um, And three days later, Noble was born and then died a little over an hour after the delivery. (sighs) So I'm pausing here to say that this episode has been really hard for me to record. And it's been difficult to confess and admit to what transpired before Noble was born between me and my mom. Um, Mike and I have both talked about our fathers very, very openly on this podcast, but I've never felt comfortable talking about our black mothers in any way that can make them feel villainized um it's like a rule never ever 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 say anything about your black mama and um but and admitting my truth about this day has been pivotal in my grief and healing process um my therapist actually um at one point during one of the sessions she was like what is it you know like she used a roller coaster analogy and, and said there's something keeping me on this ride of guilt and shame and self hate and disdain for myself when it concerns Noble's death and my pregnancy. And she was like, you know, you just you won't get off of the roller coaster. You you know, we're we're like, you know, what what is it? Um what does it mean for you to finally get off of it and um and to stop feeling guilty and shameful and hateful towards yourself and I don't I, I don't remember what I had told her but it, I, <laughs> I don't remember what I told her but it was a few sessions later or like one of the follow-up sessions afterwards I realized um you know that I was doing a thing that people do when they go to therapy and they don't disclose the things they probably should be disclosing and so I told her hey I think I need to tell you something um And I said, I realized I actually have never told you. I've been talking to you a lot about the pregnancy and about Noble's birth. Um, But I haven't told you about um, the phone call with my mom before Noble's death and how I felt like I must be bad. You know, something must be wrong with me. I got cursed out on one of the worst days of my life and in the same week of Noble's death was also cursed out by a friend uh, for being off the grid. The three days we were in the hospital, um, this person said we weren't the only ones experiencing death and that they couldn't believe we would treat them like this after being friends for all these years. And since then, this friend has or this former friend has apologized. And, you know, we've all gone our separate ways. But I'm like, there's like these people who I have loved more than myself must be onto something about me. They must know something about me that, um, you know, that I'm in denial about, like that I don't know. And after Noble died, um, my mom sent me this really like kind text about how perfect my body was and, you know, how she loves me, um, but you know, said she wouldn't apologize for the phone call for a lot of reasons um and mainly because of how much she sacrificed and done for us and she's right you know and that's what I told my therapist I I said something something must be wrong with me I must have deserved this I'm a taker I'm a bad friend I'm a succubus I'm a bad mom and someone that gets cussed out in the middle of a high-risk pregnancy for needing 20 more minutes to like collect myself they're like I must these people must be right about me you know um And I told her, if I believe I'm worthy, if I believe I didn't deserve to lose Noble, if I get off this roller coaster and believe I didn't deserve to be cursed out three days before he was born and didn't deserve to be cursed out three days after he was born, if I believe I have a right to create boundaries and advocate for myself, it will fuck up my life. If I admitted that I've been codependent with my mom and have always had crappy boundaries, and stayed in friendships that were no good for me for too long, because I thought I had to prove myself, or because I was too afraid to admit I didn't want to be in community with them, because I was afraid of conflict, it would really fuck up my life, it would blow up everything, and it would do so because I would have to consider and confront all the ways I've shrunken, damaged, ignored, lied, and hated myself. And it even goes back to believing and realizing I didn't deserve to be molested when I told and, and what well, I didn't deserve to be molested. And when I told about the abuse, someone should have protected me and got me away from my abuser instead of leaving me in a situation where I had to fend for myself until I was an adult. You know, it means sometimes shit happens. Um but I'm still worthy and I really need to let up on myself. And I told her if I believed all of that, it would just, uh, it would mean like I have options. I have choices. I have a civil right to take personal responsibility over my life and imagine more for myself. And I I was like, but you know, if I believe all that, do you know, like, how can I, I have a black mom. (laughs) I can't believe any of this stuff. I can't actually believe any of these things about myself um, like do you know what she would do to me? Do you know how like she would feel about me if I if I dared if I dared to like believe any of these things? And um <sighs> My therapist really didn't want to hear it. Like she didn't <laughs> she was like girl. <laughs> um yeah, it really gets that deep. Um it gets that deep all the way back to childhood, all the way back to, to being uh to being abused, sexually abused, emotionally abused, verbally abused, um, because grief will take you there. Big those big griefs, they make you go all the way back to the beginning. You have to, because I am learning through the grief work with my grief therapist that um how how we respond to grief, how I in particular respond to grief with shame and guilt initially. Always, every time there's a big grief, the first thing I feel is shame and guilt. I must have done something bad and I am something bad. And that has been um, conditioned um, in me because of because of my childhood, because of all the things. And um, I had been neglecting to tell my therapist about this phone call because I would have to I would have to get out of denial. I would have to get off the roller coaster for a lot of things. I would have to admit and confront a lot of things. Um, And I'm learning that, like, to confront this grief of losing Noble, though, it it does take some rewiring, and it is requiring me, like I said, to go all the way back down the line and um, examine my relationships and examine myself so that I can make peace with myself and make peace with Noble being gone. Cause I haven't, I haven't been able to make peace with it and it's really hard. (sighs) So I told my therapist, um, at my last session that I really, 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 really want to be mothered, (laughs) mother in the way I want to be mothered. I want to be apologized to and nurtured and cuddled shit, maybe even coddled. I want to be affirmed and validated. I want to have my scalp rubbed. (laughs) I want to be babied. I really want to be treated like a grandchild, okay? Uh, I want to be treated how Drew gets treated by these grandparents. Uh, But it's it's not going to happen, you know, in the way that I need it to happen, in the way that I want it to happen, at least not externally. Um, And through my sessions, I'm learning that there are a million ways to be mothered and nurtured. And I can start with mothering myself. Um, I'm an adult now. I'm not a kid who has to comply or survive anymore. I can thrive now, you know, it's finally safe for me to be myself. And I'm also a mother, and it's my duty and responsibility to take care of myself.
0: When you bring your child home for the first time, you want a baby monitor you can trust. When you choose Stork, you choose technology-trusted to monitor 10 million babies in hospitals every year. Stork continuously tracks your baby's pulse rate, oxygen saturation, and temperature. Visit MassimoStork.com to learn more. Stork, a revolutionary baby monitor, is born. Stork is not a medical device. Read and understand all product labeling. Massimo data on file. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.
1: And it's been tough, but one of the ways I've started doing that is I've I am changing the way I talk to myself. A girl that's not doing this perfectly. Um, (laughs) But I am changing the way I talk to myself. And I have never in my life been kinder to myself than now. Um, If I make a mistake, if I mess up, um, you know, anything. Like the smallest thing, I hadn't realized how cruel I was. Um, I hadn't realized how. I hadn't realized how cruel I was to myself. Like the simplest thing is like, oh man. you So, you know, like when you make, when I make a mistake, I'm like, oh, that's so fucking stupid, Randy. It's like, nope, actually things happen. It's cool. We'll figure it out. Like I've literally started doing that and that has been, um, it's changing my life. I hadn't, again, it's just changing my life. I hadn't realized how mean I was. I was like, damn, <laughs> you are really tough on yourself, but we gonna work on it. You know, you see that? You see how I did that? Um, another way I started doing that is um, doing that in terms of mothering myself, figuring out what I want to do and like what I want. That's been really difficult because I hadn't realized that I have like framed my whole life to want what others want and to do what others have told me to do. Um, because of codependency, I have literally handed over the reins, the reins of myself to others and have done what I was told to do. Um, so that I could survive and be liked and be be digestible and be considered respectful and be considered grateful and so I don't even know what the fuck I want. I'm like, what do I what what do I like to do? What do I want to do? Um, and so that's like that's the big question. What do you want? And I don't fucking know. So, but what I've started with doing is doing random things. Um, that wouldn't make sense to the old me. So like yesterday, I really, really wanted to watch, you know, The Haunting of Hill House. And it's a Netflix show. It's really good. Y'all know I love my horror. And so I like binged, you know, a few episodes before I started work. And it felt good to like do something I wanted to do and to know like you're an adult now. Nobody's gonna come and like beat you or curse you out or tell you you lazy or whatever. Just like do what you want. And And I was actually really productive with my work afterwards um, because I started with me, you know. So that's been really interesting. Um, Another thing I've been doing, as y'all know, I've gotten on antidepressants and anti-anxiety medicine. And I'm not shaming myself for needing the help because it is helping. I am also literally telling myself I'm sorry. So I'm writing letters to myself, apologizing about Noble and for how I've treated myself. I am working on forgiving myself, um, that is still a work in progress. So because of how I had to confront so many of my decisions, um, that have been made out of, out of a belief that I am unworthy, I have to learn to forgive myself because I've done lots and lots of damage. Um, I've done lots and lots of damage and I still don't know what forgiving myself looks like in total, but I've started with saying, I forgive myself. (laughs) I'm starting, I'm starting with like a sentence and hoping it clicks. I've also been reaching out to my friends. So we all like send things on Instagram and things. And I realized I haven't really told anybody that I don't feel worthy and that I feel like noble. I lost noble. We lost noble because I'm an awful person. And that, you know, like I, I I haven't actually said these words to my friends. And I finally did. And I told them, I don't know what type of support I need, but I think I need to spread this out. And it is just... It has been great um, to be in community with people who want to be in community with me and more. So I'm realizing, you know, this is going to take the rest of my life because it took the rest of my life to get here. And uh, it took the you know, it took my whole life to get here to this point. So it's going to take the rest of it to unlearn it. Um, But now I feel like it's something that I'm capable of. And I'm thankful for my children for that. Drew teaches me that I am good as I am. I am already good enough. I must be. have gotten her i must be already good enough and noble has taught me that i deserve tenderness (laughs) finally i'll leave you with this all great truths begin as blasphemies george bernard shaw The Black Millennial Marriage Podcast is hosted and co-produced by Mikey and Randy Chapman. All episodes of the Black Millennial Marriage Podcast are edited by Randy Chapman at Ready Productions, a podcast management company. We are now and still available on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and all your favorite streaming services. Rate us five stars. We love seeing your reviews. Thank y'all so much. Please continue to rate us and tell your people about us. Speaking of, to support our podcast consider joining us on patreon at patreon.com slash black marriage there you'll get edited and ad-free episodes zoom meeting with us game nights mixtapes and more and be sure to check out our website www.blackmillennialmarriage.com follow me on social media at randy r a n d i i i i e e e on instagram wordy productions on instagram and our podcast black millennial marriage on instagram thank you again for listening y'all Be blessed Don't settle. fight clean. Peace that I get back, yo,
0: get back hold it down Oh God Four year in the promised land Watch it I promise man. If you ain't looking close we gonna look like it At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place.